Now it's time for Rod and Rio Radio with your hosts, Hopalong John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio. Radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Hey, thank you, Mark Larson and San Diego in Southern California. Welcome to another Sunday edition of Rod and Real Radio. I am indeed your underfished toast, Hop Along, John Cassidy, and it is our pleasure to have you come with us. First of all, I want to thank Mark Larson, who does our interview. He invited me to be on his show last week to talk about the upcoming 19th annual El Cajon Ford Team Open. Mark, thanks a lot for bringing me on the radio show with you. It was a pleasure being with you as a guest. But, hey, speaking of guests, we've got a great lineup of guests for you tonight. Starting right out of the gate, Aaron Martins is going to be with us. And if you've been living in a cave or whatever it is, let me tell you, Aaron is the most recent winner of the Bassmaster Elite Tournament on Lake Champlain last week. He is also the 2016 Bassmaster Angler of the Year. We're going to catch up with Aaron, find out what he's doing, and... What a great win he had on Lake Champlain here just last week. And then at 6 o'clock, Gary Klein's going to be with us. He's going to update us on the first ever MFL World Fishing Championships that just got concluded. He's going to tell us about the participants, the lakes they were fished on, and who the eventual winner was. And then later on in the show, Captain Chuck Taft is going to join us with a recorded message on current fishing conditions offshore. So it's a great show lined up for you tonight. But before we get everything going, let me introduce to you the co-hosts of Ron Real Radio. First, this gentleman is the voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT and a pretty darn good fisherman in his own right, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how you doing? Good evening, everybody. I'm doing great, John. I fished the tournament yesterday. came in fifth or sixth, something like that, in that. Region had a pretty good day and can't complain. So all in all, it's been now get tackle ready for saltwater fishing at the end of the month. All right. And, and Stan, later on the show, I'm going to have to thank you because you were helping me out, ensuring me for the 19th annual El Cajon Ford Team Open. We want to make people uh, well aware of the fact that besides being the number one insurer in the country for bass boats and other uh uh, personal watercraft that you do a lot of other things than just boats. Yes, we do. All right. And, hey, let me introduce to you my other co-host. She is the national sales manager for Iserline and a pretty darn good fisherman and hunter in her own right, Miss Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, how you doing? 
I am beat. I've been uh, helping out Carrie Wilson from CDSW with the Passport to Fishing Program. So we just got off the water a couple hours ago. Man, what, nice. a great, what a great program that is, Wendy, uh, getting new people into the, uh, uh, the sport of fishing and uh, doing it with the Department of Fish and Game and all those sponsors that you have. A great endeavor on your part. Thank you very much. Oh, sure. It was really neat because one of the guys that went to the class with us and jumped on the boat won jackpot. Oh. Uh, nice. Very good. <laughs> hey, guys, perfect. let's get on with the show because we've got our first guest waiting uh, for us. He is the Bassmaster Elite Champion on Lake Champlain just last week. He's the 2016 Bassmaster Angler of the Year. Two or three weeks ago, I was sitting down with him at the ICAST show. We had an interview with him that actually we're going to play next week. And he was kind of nodding his head back and forth. He goes, you know, John? i got to get going over here because I've kind of fallen a little bit behind in the points. Well, did he ever do it with a vengeance? Let's introduce our listening <laughs> audience, former Southern California uh, a resident now from Alabama, Mr. Aaron Martins. Aaron, welcome to the show, sir. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Stan. Hi, John. How you doing, Aaron? Hey, <laughs> Aaron. Hi. Miss you guys. A lot's happened since I talked to you, John. Amazing. Oh man! Did it? And, and I want to correct you. I, I, I hate correct me, but I think it was. I think Gerald Sundell was 2016, and what? I was 2015. La, last year I kind of struggled oh. too, so it's been my usual two two years of kind of stale luck. I mean, I can't complain. I've made the classic last year, but it was a kind of slow year compared to the year before. That was, I think it was 2015 and 13 AOI. That's what oh. I got. My apologies like on that. And my way. apologies right, to right. Gerald. Some listeners may be like, he was last year? I think Swindle. Swindle was last yeah. year, and he had a great year. And then, you, are, you are absolutely this, right. I guess you keep track of that a little bit better than we do. <laughs> well, for, it's only a couple of years ago. I, you know, five years from now, I won't be able to answer that. <laughs> right well, now, it's still fresh in my memory. Uh, Aaron, uh, just uh, it seemed like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, whatever it was, yeah. you and I sat down uh, at the ICAST show. And uh, yeah. you were kind enough to to do an interview with us that we're actually going to play next week. But you were saying, "Hey, John, I've got to get going, man. I mean, uh, I've fallen yeah. a little bit behind. What happened in in the following two I'm, tournaments?" I may have told you that you know the, 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 I probably did say the coolest thing about fishing is you could have a horrible year like Todd had a terrible year one year and he won the last tournament. Which you know you win any any of these elite events, it makes a the, even the worst year, a great year, if you just win one. It's so hard to win one. So uh, I made a, you know, I was in 51st, and then I got wherever I was at St. Lawrence, 26th or something, I forget. Some already forgetting. Um, I should have done a lot better there, too. I kind of messed up. Kind of, you know, it's all decisions. Fast fishing is all about making the right decisions. It's so hard sometimes. Like, your first decision can really, you know, you can go from, you know, you make the right decision, you can win it. If you make a bad decision, you might miss the 50 because it's so easy to do. It's all making those right decisions. It's almost like a, I don't know. Sometimes it just works. You make great decisions like I did a couple of years ago, and then sometimes you, a lot of times I think it's an initial decision. It kind of 
to head well, you in the direction you're going to head. Yeah, that initial decision, and then the decision to where you go first thing in the morning, and are you going to get on yeah, them, or, or do you get off them, and you, then you have to start looking again. And it, a yeah. lot of times that between first and 50 is one fish at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you may you may not start somewhere, and there's been quite a few tournaments over the, over the years that I probably would have won or been the top two or three if I would have started there, but I started somewhere else. And you go there two hours later, and some guy's already got, you know, 28 pounds on the boat off the spot, and then he tries to keep you off the spot, and then the next day he's leading the tournament, and it's like, I can't go there. Even though you knew about the spot, it's happened a bunch of times, so... You just well, never Aaron, know when you're on the winning fish. <laughs> tell me, uh, when we were at ICAST, you knew that you had to make up some points and that the tour was swinging up into the northeastern states at a predominantly uh, smallmouth lakes on Lake Erie and then Lake Champlain. Were, were, are you a, a little intimidated by the fact that you have to depend on going out and catching smallmouth or at this point in your career with the, the way you've been competitive fishing, do you feel like, hey, just bring them on, I'll catch them? Yeah, just bring them on, I'll catch them. That, I love uh, I love largemouth. Almost, I love it as much as smallmouth fishing. It's just I think the smallmouth fishing is a little more, you can go there with two and a half days practice and figure it, because I'm so well at figuring them out. I, when you go to largemouth, a lot of largemouth tournaments we fish are spot-related, like, and they're giant lakes. Like, even this takes Rayburn, for instance. That lake would take, uh, and you'd spend seven full days there dark-to-dark, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to cover two-thirds of the lake. You know, you just, it's just too big of a lake. But you go smallmouth fishing, and there's a lot. It's, it's easy to figure out for me. You, use, you can use your electronics, and you can get a pattern going. And once you get a pattern going, like, say, Champlain, for instance, or even St. Clair, you don't have to be on the winning fish here. You just have to figure them out and how to catch them the best and try to stay on the. Because the daily daily fish those fish change a lot. They'll 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 sit different. They'll move around a little bit. You know, wind 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 makes them relate to certain things more than you know. It's really kind of predictable to me. And you don't have to be on winning fish to win a tournament there. Like Champlain, there's probably you know, a hundred spots like the one I fished. It, it, it wasn't really the area of fish. It's just the fact that I found one of those little sweet areas and had a really good technique catching them. I figured it out, and it's the, you almost went anywhere on those lakes. That's why I think I do well on them. But the rest of them, you really got to kind of really figure something out or find those special spots. A lot of times it's just spots. So what was your technique that you figured out on, this, on uh, Champlain there, bud? Uh, same thing I should have done St. Lawrence, I fished too deep, and I practiced too deep at St. Lawrence, even though I did catch almost a 20-pound bag the last day. But if I had just uh, moved up and out of, you know, I was fishing 20 to 40 feet at St. Lawrence, if I just would have fished 10 to 20 feet, I probably would have been, you know, I probably would have done a lot better, maybe a top 12. I, I, I'm almost sure I would have. Uh, I would have fished just the way, the way the weather's been, and it hasn't been real... It's just so mild, you know, the mild winters, mild, you know, mild springs, mild summers. And it's just, you know, those fish probably now are starting to go to that 30 to 40 foot water. And, and I just fished too deep. Same thing at Champlain. I, I practiced a lot of my practice was deep, but the fishing was really, really good. You catch a lot of fish, but you don't want to sit there and pummel them. You don't know, you know, how many fish you have to catch to catch a four pounder. But once the tournament started, I started figuring out that it was probably not the best stuff to be in as I was catching too many two and a half, you know, two to two and a half pounders, and those aren't going to do you any good in that tournament. So, 
I did catch my biggest fish shallow in that practice. I, you know, I caught three of my biggest fish came from, you know, 15 feet or less. And I, that was in the back of my head the whole time. So I fished, you know, first at 18 and a half, uh, four large mouth, one small. And I caught those fish all shallow. They were all 10 to 12 feet. And I did fish most of the day that day, 20 to 30 feet, but I, I didn't catch any that, that call. So the second day I like a ding-dong, went out there and fished. Uh, I started kind of shallow. Couple first couple spots were like, you know, 12, 14 feet. I caught, some, caught a lot of fish, but no no good ones. And then automatically went out deep again where I felt I'd catch some four-pounders. And I, you know, lost one, almost a four-and-a-half-pound small. The second day. It's only a fish I lost in two weeks, but I can't complain. But I did lose a real big one the second day. It took me around 19 pounds. Well, and Aaron, I just struggled that day. I had, I had 16, 15. I didn't break 17 pounds the second day. And uh, well, talking to my wife, I had a rod on my deck in my boat at St. Lawrence for three days. That I should have been throwing the whole tournament. And I had a rod sitting on my deck for the first two days at, at Champlain that I hadn't thrown yet. I threw it in practice, but you know, all it was is uh, I had some hooks I got at ICAST where me and John had our meeting and interviews in the Gamagatsu booth. And they gave me a pretty much a sample of the new hooks that are coming out um, this fall or early spring, probably this fall, the new Gamagatsu heavy finesse. Heavy cover finesse, um, uh, tournament grade wire, nano coat hook, and and I was super excited to fish them, but it was a Texas rig hook, and I definitely wanted to use it, but I had been nose hooking and, and you know fishing deeper like that. That's how I like to rig a worm, you know, open water and just that like a size one or one out. The gum got to a little G finesse drop shot hook. I was using that one, doing really well on it, but that other rod was meant to be up in the grass like fishing grass. I had an 8-pound leader on it, 12-pound braid. It was for fishing heavier grass, Texas rig, with a drop shot. And I, I told my wife going in the last day, so if I just use this rod, I haven't been using it at all in the last two weeks. So I just, if I don't put it down, uh, I have that's my best chance to get a big bag. I, and, my, and, I, and I figured, she said I was only 3 pounds out, but I was working on tackle. I'm like, that's it, huh? I'm in 19th place, only 3 pounds out first. She said, she's all, you can win this thing still. I was like, I know, I need like a 23-pound bag, though. You know how hard it is to get a 23-pound bag at this time of year at Champlain? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a couple of months from now, you know, you can, you can do it, but this fish are close to bomb. Well, hold on for just a second, to... uh, uh, Aaron. Let's talk a little bit about the tournament yet because you pre-fished the tournament. Day one comes up. You're all ready to go, and something unusual happened. What happened? Which one, at Champlain? At Champlain, yeah. The first day? Yeah, did they cancel the event because of weather? Oh, yeah, yeah, they canceled yeah. the first day, which is unusual, too. Uh, and we were ready to go. I mean, I, they were getting ready to call my number and everything. They were getting ready. I was getting lined up to kind of early, earlier flight, so I was, like, setting up in position. And uh, we were all ready to go. Motors running, vests on, my was open. And a uh, trip went out. And, um, and one of the, with one of the elite guys and, and his Triton, they went out there and, they were gone for like 10, 12 minutes. They went out probably five miles out where the main channel is, and they came back and said it was just, you know, usually they let us go. In the past, they let us go. But because of the wind levels and, the, and they've, blown all, they've been blowing like close to 30 miles an hour all night. So the waves are probably uh, six, seven feet, which we've been in before. And But they somehow they canceled it. And uh, it was windy that day. I mean, I agree. It was. It was kind of like a little mini break, you know. I went and watched a movie and with the kids and the family. My family was there, and, and 
So I went back to sleep, first of all. I went to sleep <laughs> like two and a half more hours. And I woke up feeling totally rejuvenated. Went and saw a movie, went for a nice run, like a five-mile run, which I don't do very often. And, and just took a break that day, stretched and got all ready. My stuff was, you know, pretty much ready to go. And, and of course, you know, being in the 19th place going to the third day, uh, four, which would have been the fourth day, would have right. been not there. You know, there's no, no chance. They only take the top 12. And, and I've been in that position before where I've been dismissed the top 12. I've only been... You know, two something pounds uh, first. It's happened many times. Uh, just you know, just missed a cut and felt like you would have had a chance if you had a big day, but you don't never get that chance because it's top twelve. So yeah, pretty, that's a pretty a, good record that probably won't fall for a while because it doesn't happen very often. That's a very important point because uh, they turned it from a four day tournament to a three day tournament. So after two days, did they cut down to the? Uh, uh, just the top 50, or did the entire field of fish? I think it was 51, fish? if I'm not mistaken. 51. I think it was 51, yeah. So here you are on championship uh, Sunday. You're in 19th place, and you're fishing on championship Sunday, and normally you wouldn't have been in the cut because they on, only take the top 12. So this is really kind of a, an unusual situation for the fishermen to be in and then also for BASS. Uh, uh, but... As you said, uh, I, you had every confidence that you still had a chance to win this thing at that time. I needed a 23-pound bag. And my <laughs> kids told me good luck. My daughter told me good luck. And my, my son told me good luck. And they said, go catch 23 pounds. And I was like, I try. And I reminded them, it's, it's, that's going to be a hard, hard one to do. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fish this rod, I told them. <laughs> I said, if I just, pick, just hold this rod in my hand all day and fish shallower, I bet. I might, if I can get five of those big fish that, you know, I get two or three of it a day in practice, which, you know, you don't stick in that much in practice. You don't try to catch them. You're just trying to locate fish. If I can just get five of those big ones I've been getting, that's, you know, that's close to 23 pounds. And I've been wow. getting smallies, like 22, you know, I, I figured, you know, a big bag of smallies that time of year would be 22, 23 pounds. That would be a really nice bet. Well, wow. Aaron, uh, hey, a lot Aaron. Don't understand, I don't think a lot of people realize that I had, I had in three days I caught eight largemouth and seven smallmouth. So Ash is catching my bigger fish. A lot of them were largemouth, and I was actually fishing for a smallmouth. But maybe the way the fish were, um, the time of year we were there, and the fact that they hadn't spawned too long ago, uh, we we're catching a lot of largemouth in the in predominantly areas that you catch smallmouth. Hey, Aaron, we got to take a break right now. Is there? Any way we can get you to hold on and come aboard yeah. on the next segment? Tell us how you did on that last day, and uh, yeah. uh, you know we got to we got we got to take a commercial break. I understand. All it, right, hey, this is Ron Real Radio on <laughs> AM five forty. Stan, Wendy, and I we are talking with BASS Elite Champion Aaron Martins. We're going to take a break right now, but stay tuned. There's still a lot more Ron Real Radio to come. can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows 
is trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El Cajon Ford.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specialty heat treater to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hi, I'm Chad, designer and owner of Hookup Baits. Hookup Baits jigs are the most realistic and effective jigs ever developed. The realistic action and looks of these jigs catch everything from crappie and trout to yellowtail and tuna and everything in between. In fact, in the last year, I have only thrown hookup baits and have caught close to 100 different species of fish. These jigs are so versatile and easy to use with eight different sizes and colors to match the hatch wherever you fish. You can fish them on top, you can fish them on the bottom, fast, slow, and even troll them. You can find these great jigs for fresh and saltwater fishing at hookupbaits.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag. Quantum Fishing, we are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> I mean, that is just absolutely awesome. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. We have with a special guest, Mr. Aaron Martins. Aaron is a BASS Elite Champion. He's here talking about just how he did on Lake Champlain last week. He set the stage for us. First day of the event was canceled. Normally it's a four-day event. Day 
two and day three. Aaron got up to 19th place. Normally on Championship Sunday, which is day four, they only take the top 12. But because of this case, they let 50 fishermen fish in Championship Sunday. We've set the stage here. Aaron, tell us on Championship Sunday, how did you do and uh, how would you go about doing it? All right, well, <laughs> started off kind of slow that day, actually. Um, I caught a big one on the way in the second day. It was pretty close to ran, probably five, six miles away. I decided to start there just because it was early and, and I was a late flight, and I wasted an hour and 15 minutes to make a long story short. Never had a keeper in the boat, but there was potential to, to possibly catch a couple big ones. It didn't happen. Maybe, maybe it's a later in the day spot, but... A, big, a really big, vast area, a straight bank, boulder, you know, this, this, you tell the fishers for not moving around. So I finally I got fed up on that spot and beelined it where I should have started. I just took a, you know, it's about a, probably 13, 14-minute run wide open into the, into the Inland Sea area, which is uh, uh, the Vermont side. And one of the areas I like to fish on, like one of my favorite areas. And I went right to a spot that I'd been kind of saving sort of or not really hit as much as I should have. I didn't really pick it apart like I should have, and I ran straight there, and I started out in like 20 feet of water where I caught like a, almost a four-pound smallmouth, uh, my biggest fish the second day. Nice. And I cast it on that spot and worked my way up to it. And it was kind of where the rock meets the grass, where the grass just starts about 20 feet. And I got bit real quick, and it was like a two-pound largemouth. And I was kind of like, damn, largemouth. And I was like kind of discouraged at first. Like, the day before, I got two big smallmouth off of it and lost a good one. I don't know. I need the one I lost. I don't know if I, had, I didn't have it on long enough, but it felt like a decent one. This hooked them to come off. And then I and I caught the like a two and a half and I went close to four. And But I caught a largemouth the third day, the final day. And I caught another one. I think I caught another largemouth on it. So I spent about 15 minutes in that area, about 100 foot area, kind of cast the drop shot around and, so I was watching the shallower water where I, where I caught a really big smallmouth in practice and four four or five other ones on a big spinnerbait when the wind was blowing in practice. So it was, you know, a windy, cloudy day, and the wind was blowing. It was perfect for, like, a big spinnerbait. And I caught, like, three pike and, like, five five smallmouth, all smallmouth. But I kept seeing an occasional, uh, occasional bust, um, a boil, but no double, no, no boiled None of them boiled twice, but I knew some of them were largemouth or smallmouth because they they were eating something. It wasn't like they were coming up and getting there like a like a, a mudfish or a pike. You know, a lot of these looked like bass. It was funny they're just boiling once, but they're real sporadic and spread out over a huge area. So I was like watching it. And I finally got fed up and started working my way in. Like you know, I put the trolling on like two or three and started trolling in and casting ahead of the boat. You know, different angles, kind of fan casting. I wasn't fishing very long. And I started getting grass on the worm. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of grass. When you start getting up in the grass, it's like real grassy. It's different kinds of grass, you know, five, six, seven different kinds of grass. So I I, I sat down in the middle of the boat, and uh, there was no wind. It was slick, calm. I, I cut my hook off and, and wait. This is a Texas rig setup. I, I told you know, I told my wife I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have had this out of my hands last week. I shouldn't have had my hands this week. I should have been, I should have been fishing this way. So I made my leader real long. I went to like a, almost a two-foot leader just to keep my worm out of grass. There's a lot of low grass, and then there's this real high grass grows to the top in like 16, 15, 16 feet of water, like a cabbage, and then down deeper there's 
all kinds of like brittle grass and like milfoil, even some t- sorts of hydrilla, coontail stuff. And that tended to work pretty good. Like, um, I was just every cast I made, like within four or five feet of moving the worm, you'd have grass on the worm. I had to reel it up and pull it off. Well, this cut the grass off and made me feel like it fished a little further without getting grass bundled up on it. And I, I got, I got about 200 feet from where I caught those first two. And I made a real long cast, and I got bit real quick. Like, I got loaded up. None of the bites I felt that day really, they were all pressure bites. And I I felt it hit load up, and I kind of held my rod real still, and it it pulled a little bit. I set the hook on it. It was like a a four-and-a-quarter-pound largemouth. Nice. I was like, man, that's a good one. I said, that's a largemouth, too. And I put him in a live wall, and I was pretty fired up at that point. So I had caught a keeper. Basically, that was what I was looking for. (laughs) And, uh... I don't know, the next two hours I had like 19, 20 pounds on but like a story short, I had been just started catching them like crazy. Just not in one particular area, just kind of moving around. They were still, uh, what I thought, I heard a guy saying how the fish moved or they, you know, they're there and then they're kind of gone. I don't, I figured out they didn't really leave. Um, in the mornings they were kind of roaming around. Uh, they were moving around a lot and so they could be anywhere on the, in that grass flat. So, Hard bottom, you know, little bowlers here and there, some hard bottom stuff. And I just started fan casting. I, you know, when you get bit like that in a spot, you always throw back in the same spot. But I wasn't getting bit like that. I found out that you could just kind of, I figured they were moving. They were moving around. So I started casting, you know, 20, 30 feet apart. And I, that's I kept getting bit. I caught a lot of fish doing that. Um, like, like I said, I had 19 pounds, maybe even close to 20. Uh, late morning, um, I switched the hook out just because I caught 20 fish on it, and it was a size 1. I don't know if you guys know how small it is. <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, I put a size 1 on there, and that new, uh, that new heavy cover, uh, nano-coated thermic-grade steel heavy cover hook, an incredible hook. I, I had caught a few on it in practice, and I pulled on them really, really hard on a size 1 to test it out, and on an 8-pound line, I never opened the hook up. And I caught a few smallies close to 3 pounds, and I pulled really, really hard on them to the point where, you know, I was, you know, definitely maxing my eight pound out just to see if I could open the hook up. I never even came close to opening up, never flexed at all. So I, I felt really confident with it. But, you know, I could have went to one up, but I figured the one would probably get bit a little better. And it was slick, calm out with real clear water. You can see down like 15 feet. So I just switched hooks out just, just because it was a new hook and I hadn't, it's the first time I really tested it and put a brand new sticky sharp one on. And, I, and they were both, that old hook I took off looks fine. It actually had teeth marks on it. I'm catching so many eggs. But I just wanted to be safe, um, and just in case I hooked into a six pounder, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And uh, at that point, it slowed down a little bit, and that's probably why I made the change. Just wanted to regroup and, and start over again, which is I know I've, I figured there's a lot more fish in that area because I caught so many. So I had been fishing and, and not getting bit on the fan cast anymore. So I started kind of dropping into those, that tall cabbage, almost like pitching it and. Casting and bring you know bring the worm up over the top of it and just drop it into the holes. And uh, one particular spot I came across was a nice little clump. It was probably like ten by twenty feet, and it, you know it was sporadic grass, but it came up to the surface and then it kind of leaped on the surface. Kind of was like laying across the top, maybe three or four feet, some of it. And I dropped it into a hole in that grass, and uh, I got bit real quick. And I set the hook on it, and it, you know it's high sun. Almost no clouds at all, just really bright out, really slick, and, you know, no wind. And I set the hook on it. It was like a four-pound largemouth. Um, 
So I guess I did have probably 20 pounds or real close to it. I, I went to call with it, and it was real, my fast fish I call a week, but it just didn't call. And uh, the cool thing is when I caught that fish, I was bringing it in, and uh, there was a six-pounder with it. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I didn't really freak out. I just started pulling harder on the four-pounder to try to get it in. I actually bounced that fish on that little size one. Hook was fine. Uh, but I was in kind of like super excited mode. I was like, oh, my gosh. I told my partner there was a six-pounder behind it. And uh, as I was trying to call that fish, and like the one that didn't help, um, I was just super, like, I don't know how to explain it, but kind of like Lake Mead or somewhere where if you get that worm in front of that fish, that fish will probably bite. And I knew if I caught that fish, I'd have a chance to win. So I ended up tossing that fish back. And I checked my line. There was no phrase in it. The hook looked great. I put. I was throwing a four-and-a-half-inch fat robo worm, Aaron's Magic Red Black Flake. And I got a new worm out, put it on the hook, made sure that it was perfect, worked my way back up. I waypointed it when I saw the big one just because I knew I wanted to make sure I knew where that spot was because all the grass looks the same. And I got back up there, no bites on the way to it. I pitched like three or four clumps on the way to it just to make sure that 600 didn't settle right there and no bites. Got back to that same spot, did the same cast. I cast it past the clump, reeled it up across the surface over the top of some of the cabbage and then dropped it right in the same hole. I had caught that four pounder and, and, and I was, wasn't really, it wasn't a quick bite. Um, I actually was working it in a hole, you know, lifting it up a little bit to move the bait a little bit and, you know, lifting the weight up and kind of finesse shaking it, kind of letting it sit, shaking it, and all of a sudden it loaded up again. And at this point, when I, before I got bit, and when I got bit, I was almost like you were fishing for a big bed fish in a tournament. Like, I was that excited. Like, knowing if I got a bite, it could be that big one. And sure enough, my rod dipped. You know, I got loaded up a little bit. And I could tell it was a bite. It reeled down. It hook really hard. And it was real heavy. And I brought the fish up, and it was a big one. But I was like, gosh, it's a big one, but it's not, it doesn't look as big as the one that chased me up. And I fought it out, and the four-pounder, that one had wrapped me up in the grass pretty good, the four-and-a-half. It ended up being a four-and-a-half-pounder, roughly. And it, it, it was real, they're real strong. Those fish are real strong. And it, it ran me around a grass to the left of me, and it got bound up to the point where the fish swam around all this cabbage and was coming back towards me, and my line was going away from me. So that wasn't good. I actually had to pull really, really hard on it. And luckily, the cabbage uh, would break, you know, tink, 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 tink. And I got the fish through the cabbage, and it all floated up. And that light line cuts, stuff, cuts that grass, you know, a lot of grass. That light line cuts it like butter. So you have a good knot on there, eight pounds, amazingly strong. Mm-hmm. And I ended up landing that one, and I, I was I called with it, and I was like, gosh, I did not, that fish looks so much bigger than that. So I, I could be mistaken, you know. I mean, I was talking about I was re- checking my line and stuff. My hook is fine, everything is ready to go again. I checked my knot, perfect. I got another new worm out, ripped the worm off, put a new worm on. And I, on the way back up there, did the same thing, pitching around. I was like, gosh, I know that fish. It just looked bigger in, that, in the water. I said, it looks like a six-pounder. And, but, and I was kind of doubting myself. My partner's like, it probably wasn't. It was probably a different fish. probably was a big one. And I got back up to the same spot, pitched around, and uh, same thing. I got, I, I, I got to that hole, and I really, you know, Cast past, reel it up to the hole, dropped it in the hole again. And no bite for a while. I'm working it, working it. I let the worm sink a little bit, pick it up, kind of finessing it. And it was like five, six, seven seconds at least. Um, and I got to like the end of that hole, like kind of I was lifting it enough to where 
it may have been longer than that. When I was kind of getting discouraged. I'm like, dang, it may have been the fish. And before I could get too discouraged, it same thing, loaded up again, rot just went down. And at this point, you just never know. You know, I mean, it could be the six-pounder. I reeled down and uh, set the hook really hard, and this time it didn't move. And you hook a six-pounder and an eight-pounder, there's not a lot of movement on a spinning rod. I was using a medium-heavy, too. And, you know, the excitement was pretty amazing, um, incredible. Uh, I was just looking for the fish. There's a lot, a lot of the fish I caught, I could see them pretty much right after I hooked them. You could see them, like, you know, 40 feet out, 12, 14 feet down. You could actually see the fish come into the water. And I was looking for it, and all I could see is this big kind of goldish-green object coming towards me, and it was like a big one. I could tell it was a big one. So I put my motor on high this time and raced to the fish and got right up on top of it and actually chased the fish, um, stayed vertical on it. And I told my partner, it's a big one. It's a big one. <laughs> it's a six-pounder. And I'm fighting it. I stayed vertical on it, and it grabbed me through a few pieces of cabbage, but, you know, being on top of it like that, I had a lot better chance of not getting around a big clump of it. And I followed that fish out, and it, it finally came up uh, about halfway through the fight and tail walked next to my partner's side of the boat. Tail walked probably like four or five feet across the water, uh, real hot and fast, and it shook its head and actually got on top of the water and walked really hard. And I just got to the back of the boat and pulled it to the side, and I could see the hook was perfect right inside of its face, and it was through a bunch of meat. So I could see the point sticking out, the worm was up the line, everything was perfect. All I had to do is fight it out and land it. And, uh, you know, a few seconds later, I got the fish next to the boat and being real patient and, and easy on it, pinned it against the boat and put my thumb in its mouth and lifted it up. And I kind of laughed kind of probably hysterically. I was kind of excited as a six-pounder. And uh, I called it, I think, five and a quarter, five and a half. I underestimated all my fish because the first day I thought I had 19.12. I ended up having 18 and a half, which I never overestimate. If anything, I'm under a little bit. I'm lifting a... On a weight that big, usually I'm within a half pound of the weight. And I don't know what, why I was so far off that first day, but for some reason, I just, every time I'd see those fish that day, I, I'd take five or six ounces off what I thought it was because that's how it was the first day. They were, they were all big, and that first day threw me off. So that one in the boat, I had all really, really nice fish. I caught a lot more fish after that. It was probably about 12, 31 o'clock to cut the big one. And I fished my little butt off trying to get another big one. I figured if I get another five or six pounder, that I'd almost certainly win. I said, I think I have 22 pounds right now. My partner said we're at 2011. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> I said, that's I looked in the live wall as I was calling fishing fish. That live wall, now I'm down up to two live walls, and I have two big ones on one side and three on the other side. And I, I looked down, I'm like, those are, those are big. I said, that's like 22 pounds. And uh, to make a long story short, uh, Sago came, the only boat I saw all day. I saw one local guy kind of watching for a while and started fishing. He was, I asked him if I could have this area to myself, and I was real nice about it. And he was real cool, and he put his rod up and watched him for a little longer, and he took off. And that was the only bass boat I saw all day at, at anywhere, you know, close enough to actually see a bass boat. There was nobody even near me. And uh, Sago came up at, like, 2.30. I had to leave in five minutes um, to make it back safely with the bag I had. So I... I uh, was fishing. Sago came. He was about 150 yards away and had his big lens out. He took you know, a few of the photos that you see on Bassmasters, and uh, I actually caught two fish from him. But they were all like, you know, like two and a half pounders. They weren't they didn't help. And I even caught some four pounders uh, before that after I caught the big one. But I couldn't get anything to call. And going in was pretty exciting, knowing I had 22, and I was hoping, you know, some other guys didn't have them. I heard uh, coming in 
uh, you know, everybody started looking at Bass Check once they once they checked in, and the big word was that Seth had a big bag, you know, maybe twenty one something pounds. I was like, think myself, dang. Hey, Aaron, can we take? Hold on, we got to take another break right now. Can you hold that thought and let us take yeah. a break, and we'll come back to you. I'll be here. All right, <laughs> we're speaking with Aaron Martin. He's telling us. Uh, just exactly what he did on Lake Champlain last week. We're going to find out exactly what happened when we got to the weigh-in, but we got to take a break. Stay tuned. Stan, Wendy, and I will be back after these messages. Are you ready to sell your current boat and upgrade in preparation for the 2017 fishing season? It's sure to be one for the bucks. I'm Zach Zorn and a broker for Kessler Yachts located in San Diego. As one of the largest and most reputable brokerages on the West Coast, I can ensure that your boat will be sold in a timely manner or that your dream boat will be found. If you want to sell your boat or looking to purchase one, call Zach Zorn at Kessler Yachts, 760-815-8866, so that your name can be added to our long list of satisfied buyers and sellers. That's Zach Zorn, 760-815-8866. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovet reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Don't you just love California in the summer? Just remember, if you love California and you love the boat, please wear your life jacket and make sure the people you love wear one too. Love California, Boat California, Save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Dan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. Our special guest this hour is BASS Elite Champion, Mr. Aaron Martins. And Aaron Martins has been telling us about his experience on Lake Champlain in the Elite Tournament last week. He was in 19th place going into the last day of fishing. 
He was telling us about exactly how he caught his fish, what he had, and now he's relating to us the experience of what he's hearing as he's going back to the weigh-in on Championship Sunday. So, Aaron, take it away from there. You had heard that someone had a big bag of fish, and had, uh, what were your feelings about that? Yeah, such fighter had a good bag. And, and uh, you know, those guys, I didn't have any TV on me, of course. Um, if I would have had 22 on Bass Track, they probably would have a camera on my boat, but maybe a, they would, the camera boat may have run over my grass clump and kept me from winning it. You never know. It can't happen. I was just a random clump, and they were everywhere. So it was kind of nice, and I didn't do that on purpose. A lot of people asked me if I did that intentionally underestimate, but I really didn't. But I knew I was underestimated for sure. I didn't think I had what I had. Um, so I knew uh, hearing Seth had, Seth was like two pounds ahead of me. And I was, you know, doing the math in my head, and I was like, gosh, you know, I told Chris Lane on the water, he's like, how do you do on my, so I got him pretty big, dude. I was like, I think I have like 22 pounds. He was like, you know, his mouth fell open. I was like, yeah, I got, I got a big one. I, got, I think they're all big. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I pulled the fish out, and it's really a good feeling when you, uh, we had a, a drive-up land where we pulled our boats up to the uh, you know, area where they're having the land, and we didn't have a drive-through land. We just had a drive-up land park, and then I had some cameras on me, and I was bagging them, and my family was there, and, and some of my friends, I was like, I'm on a big one, right? So that's my small one. I kept pulling them out, and you know, a lot of them pull fish <laughs> like small ones like that you, they kind of shrink, you know, they kind of get smaller. But yeah, this one when I pulled them out, I was like, okay, those are my small ones. And I went to the other side, and I, you know, I had that probably four and a half, and I ended up being a six three. I pulled those two out. Nice. I uh, said so those are big, right? Because I really couldn't tell. I underestimated. So I had a feeling I had a pretty good bag, but I didn't have twenty three pounds. So I coming up to the land, I walked up, and you know, all those uh, Jacob Wheeler and and basically all the top six are kind of at the tanks already standing there or sitting down. I And I know that bag had to look pretty big when I walked by, and, but I don't think anybody knew I had a giant bag. Um, but it looked big. And I got in line to, in the hot troughs back there behind the stage, and I was behind uh, Fred Rabenis, who's an old friend of ours. I, I keep up with him. You guys know Fred. And he, he saw my bag when I put it in the water. He's like, dang, dude. <laughs> like, I know. So I caught him. He opened my bag and looked into it. I said, that's my small one on top. He's like, no. So that's like a four and a quarter. I'm like, I think it might be. And he put his hand in my bag and he started pulling them out. He pulled the six to the surface. He's like, dude, you have like 23 pounds. I'm like, I hope. <laughs> so that's funny because I started wondering, maybe I do have 23 pounds. I said, I kind of need probably 22 high 22s or at least 22 and a half, I figured, to have a chance from what I heard. And it's pretty amazing to um, walk up to the scales, and Trip, Trip took my bag from me, and, he, and I could tell he was like, he had that. He's really good feeling how big a bag is, and he pulls all the bags. Yes. And I heard, I heard he said, it's not over yet or something like that. But he picked me, he held, I handed him the bag, and he went down with it to kind of snap the water out of it. And he could tell, I could tell he knew it was a giant bag. Uh, but yeah, putting it on the waiting there for, I don't know how, I feel like eternity for the weights to pop up, but waiting for the fish to settle down and, and everything to kind of settle before it gave you a weight. And I saw, I saw 23.5 and I was like, yes. at that point I kind of knew Seth has to have like 21, three quarters or something, 21, maybe even 22 to beat me now. And it was a pretty amazing feeling. I didn't know how her bill said, I just knew Seth probably had the best chance from what I heard, but you never know on Bass Track. And look nope. at what happened to me. I under so you never know. But I was thinking, man, that 
it's I mean, even if I don't win, that's you know, great points and I came from nineteenth. I mean I, I mean if I get second, third or fourth, it don't matter to me. I said it's just gonna be you know, I was thinking about winning but not really. I've never been in that position that far back and to actually you know, be have a chance to win and um I just didn't think about it much. You know, I just wanted to see everybody weigh in and see what everybody had, and let's get it on. And uh, it was pretty amazing. It was it was, it was kind of neat coming. In. I was actually so shocked. That I don't think I responded quite how I should have when they when I when I won the trophy. But believe me, I was just in shock, kind of. <laughs> wow, Aaron, what did you win by? Uh, I think what? it was fourteen ounces. Wow. Oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> 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 wow! So not not a, not a little, but not definitely not a big margin. It was uh, that six pounder definitely did it, and I kind of knew uh, seeing that fish. It's just crazy seeing that fish. I have a, I've had that happen so many times in tournaments where you see a fish that could win the whole tournament for you, hands down. You know, eight pound spot, table rock one time followed my jerk bait up, and I pitched the worm to it, and it you know followed jerk bait up, and it went down, and I pitched the worm to it, and it went swimming. You know, I see this big belly about a foot wide go right down to the worm, and you know, it's 10 minutes before we in. I have just enough time to probably land the fish. And it, it went right up to my worm and went right up to it, and then I'm off. And I never saw it again. There's just so many times that's happened where, but I knew at that lake and watching that big fish come up like a torpedo out of the grass and just kind of coast under my boat, I knew it wasn't spooked. I knew if I got a bait in front of it, it would bite no matter where it's at. Those, that's what's so cool about those northern lakes. If you, you can you know, bump a tree and spook a fish off and see a five-pounder some off and then go by the stick and pitch to it and it'll eat. It's like it's, they bite there. So, I mean, this is how, how the whole day happened. It was just super, wow. super cool. I'm just kind of sad there wasn't a camera there. I mean, it was a pretty amazing day, but I did have my, a little Garmin going on my windshield. And, you know, I was not thinking about it. I didn't, I didn't show a couple of the biggest ones, like the six-pounder. I mean, you see me fighting them, but and I landed a fish in the corner of the boat, and at that point, wasn't even thinking about it. I was thinking about getting another one like that. <laughs> wow. So I didn't show the camera, but I, I did show the camera a few of the four-pounders I caught, but I forgot to show it the, big, the two big ones. I didn't show the camera, but they'll probably use some of that footage as that's all they really have. Well, Aaron, now, fishing, so. now that you're the, uh, the Bassmaster Elite champion at Lake Champlain, you've gotten your much-needed points. Where do you go from here? Uh. My next one of my next favorites, and that's old Michigan, Lake St. Clair, which is, you know, Lake Huron, uh, St. Clair, you know, Detroit River, Lake Erie. Uh, you know, a lot, two times ago, that's why I kind of had the tournament one. I sheared the bolts off. So, And then the last time I went there, I got six. And I think before that, I did good. So, I mean, that, that place I've done really well on. Um, it's just a really it's another really neat place to fish. Uh, if some of your listeners are, you know, West Coast guys and they've never – really gone anywhere uh any of these lakes any of the great lakes have places that are just amazing and uh lake st Clair is probably one of the top in the country for and gen- just fishing in general you, know, you can go out and catch you know 30 smallmouth uh 50 largemouth and five muskies in one day if you wanted to it's a pretty amazing place so very much looking forward to there and uh plus the weather's you know down here right now is it's not real hot here in alabama but it's Super humid right now. It's like a it's like a sauna all day. It's unusually humid for here, but um, uh, I'm looking forward to going to that one. Just the weather and the fishing, and, and it's just a, always a fun experience up there. Just I gotta make sure I catch them. I'm not in the classic yet. Uh, winners don't go to the classic from the elites anymore. So right. we used to have an automatic berth just a few years ago, but they changed the rules. Uh, the open anglers get 
an automatic berth, but the, the elite guys don't. So I'm still not in the classic. I'm, you know, over 10 spots in it right now, but I still have to catch them to make sure. And, and plus we got Millax coming up too, which is another place I don't have a lot of experience on, but very, very neat fishery and incredible. And they're all different in their own way. Um, they're all, you know, Malax is a lake, kind of like a big St. Clair full of rock. And it's just, they're all different though. Like Malax has got tons of boulders in it. St. Clair's got a lot of sand flats with rock here and there. Um, you know, Champlain's kind of a mix between grass, sand, and rock. Uh, but they all fish different, but they're all very neat places to fish. Well, Aaron, in the uh, uh, short amount of time that we have left, tell us, you can't do what you're doing without some great sponsors. Tell us about the yeah. people that have been supporting I'm, you. Yeah, I can't say enough about Phoenix. I got the new 921 PHX. Uh, if you want a good riding boat that fishes incredibly, it's, it's it's by far the best riding boat on tour. I mean, all the elite guys agree it's the, the boat to be in rough water. Uh, even the non-Phoenix guys say it's the best riding boat. And, uh, just an incredible boat. My Mercury, you know, been riding Mercury since the beginning, over 23 years on it now. Uh, Pro and, uh, and all my sponsors, I'm with, uh, Reales is new, Dual Reales. Um, you know, it's five, eight people and they make awesome, awesome baits. We're working on some baits. that will probably be coming out next year, some new stuff. Yeah. That's going to be incredible. And, uh, you know, Roboworm, of course, since I was a little kid, 17 or so, I've been using them, 16. Uh, this is all my sponsors, even nationwide. You got my God, too. Um, you have your own I want to sound like a commercial. I, I can't say enough about, you know, I'm excited about um, the new uh, Gamagatsu's, though. Uh, yeah, you know, hooks are really, really important. You know, of, of course, Enigma, they've helped me a lot. And, uh, I was using a 611, people are wondering, a 611 medium heavy spinning rod, which is actually a really fast medium, if not a heavy rod. And I've been using that rod a lot, especially on the big smallies. I'm finding it's actually a better, it's better to go stiff than too light on them. Um, you lose less fish. But that new hook is going to be, it's one of the reasons I'm actually changed the way I fished the last five years, is I've had those tournament grade steel hooks that I'm playing with. And the hooks are so hard, and, and they don't flex like old hooks used to do. They're, and they're so, they penetrate so well, and, and the fact that they don't flex means you can pull harder. So I can actually go up a little heavier line and rod and pull harder and land more fish, keep, keep fish hooked better. And that new hook is this, I don't know if I showed you, John, but it is, I mean, by far the best Texas rig hook in the market. It will be when it comes out. Uh, I've seen all the other good hooks in this. They really, I hate to say, they don't really compare to the new one that's coming out. It's Well, it's not amazing. only did you um, show it uh, to me, uh, but I've had them on order since right after ICAST last year, and I've got a little secret to tell you. They sent me, Gamagatsu has shipped me two of the sizes. So um, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe is, you put in a good word for amazing. us, but uh, we've got a couple of them here in the, uh, in the shop right now, it's, so... It's so much better than what we used to fish with. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, like I said, I think it's, it's going to be the number one hook out there. People, not ever be able to throw it. They're diehard mustad people and stuff and owner, you know, owner, they make good hooks, but this hook is, is going to be so much better. It's, I've already caught quite a few fish on it. And it's, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's got that kind of the old, uh, uh, reaction innovations with, uh, that BMF they used to make. I actually helped, uh, helped Andre design that hook. It's actually a hook I bent. And he right. sent the Gamagatsu years and years ago, and that's what they came up with as a BMS. So it's actually the same design hook I kind of came up with. Just in the old days, we had to bend a, I used to bend a super line O'Shaughnessy worm hook, which is a really super heavy wire hook. But it used to be such a small bite on I used to just kind of open it up in like two or three places and make it a wider bite. 
and that's how the BMS came along. Now it's called the heavy cover, but that hook is just the way it penetrates, and the worm holder that they have, the keeper they have on the hook now is just absolutely amazing. And I can't say enough about RoboWorm either. The new class that they're using is incredible. Um, uh, the Aaron's Magic Red Flake, I've never seen it look so good in the water, and I'm not just saying that. It actually looks different in the water. And, you know, at first I was like, it looks different. And, but after fishing with it, I think it actually works better too. Um, it has a different look. It has a different light penetrates the plastic differently than it used to. So I think that actually the, bait, the worm colorism, the worm, the plastic they use actually probably works better than the old plastic as far as just the way it looks in the water and the way it fish to All it. right. Well, hey, Aaron, we're going to have to jump off the line over here. But uh, on behalf of all of us here in Southern California and, and us here at Rod and Reel Radio, congratulations. And I can't thank you enough for taking some of your Sunday to be with us. Oh, no problem. Anytime for you guys. You know that. You know, one of these days we'd like to find out how you like fishing the uh, the the tournament where you you the Gary's going to talk about your, the fishing major league that fishing, you did, and you man. didn't you quite qualify for the off. final five. But I'd like to find out how you enjoyed that too. Yeah, that could be another story. But I'm looking forward to that coming up soon too. Can't talk what? about it. Talk well. Secret. We'll right. have to hold that for another one. What happened last time, and not this time? But I want to get your opinion. We'll have to call you back in another time. Yeah, and I, I just want to let everybody know I'm not. I have not fished open in like ten years because I don't want to. Believe me, I want to fish that tournament more than any tournament. But it just seems like there's always a tournament on top of it. And Even when they uh, schedule ones, it in October about. now. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Garrett. It's right, it's right on top of it's, it's right on top of something else. I can't. I can't do it again. So. Yeah. Aaron, uh, Gary, Gary Klein is on next with us, uh, so uh, we're going to have to jump hi, off for now. But thank you for being with us. It was a great story, you coming from 19th place to first. Congratulations, and we'll be rooting for you for the upcoming tournaments. And, and good luck to you from all of us here in Southern California. Thank you. God bless everybody out there. We'll talk all right. Soon. Aaron Martins, okay, BASS Elite Champion. Be well, Aaron. Hey, we're going to take a break right now, but as we mentioned, coming up next, Gary Klein is going to be with us from Major League Fishing. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, more Rod and Reel Radio to come after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com. 
Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a bit set back with just what company to go with? Rod and Reel Radio urges you to try American and family-owned Land's End Charters. Land's End Charters offer their clients affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with their brand name fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a family-run business with over 50 years of experience. Go to LandsEndCharters.com to see all the current vessels and amenities available and call Cabo Greg or Jenny directly at 800-281-5778 when you're ready to get fishing. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Attention Rod and Reel Radio listeners, be sure to check out the Code Group mobile app. You can listen to the Rod and Reel Radio show live along with show archives without internet access. The Code Group app has all kinds of cool features for fishermen including daily Southern California saltwater reports, weather reports, episodes of inside sport fishing, marine traffic, and much more. Get the free Code Group mobile app by texting the word REEL, R-E-E-L, to 90407, or enter the words code group in the App Store on your smartphone. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career, and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Southern California, Stan, Wendy, and I, we welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Thank you for taking some of your Sunday to be along with us. Hey, our next guest, man, what can I tell you? He is also a BASS elite fisherman, but he's also one of the guys in charge of Major League Fishing. I don't know how he can do it, but he's putting it together. Major League Fishing just finished their first ever World Championship Series He's going to come and talk to us about that and maybe other aspects of bass fishing. Let's welcome to the show pro angler Gary Klein. Gary, welcome to Ron Real Radio. Hi, well, thank you for having me. Man, well, we just had Aaron Martins on with us, and he was telling us how he made the uh, jump from 19th to first place in uh, the Lake Champlain event. I know you've been fishing some of those northern waters, have fished them in the past, and you can probably comment better than anyone just what kind of a, a feat that is. 
Well, I tell you, that's huge, especially against this group of anglers. Uh, you know, Aaron is obviously an extraordinary angler. He's really good at figuring out, you know, finessey tight bites, and uh, that's definitely what Lake Champlain uh, turned into be. And God, he did, you know, he did an awesome job. <clears throat> And yours truly missed the cut by one ounce. Oh. <laughs> one ounce. Uh. So pe- pe- people want to know how expensive uh, fish is. That was a ten thousand dollar ounce. So um, ouch. Wow. But uh, oh. anyhow, yeah, my hats off to Aaron. A uh, great angler and and definitely uh, is one of the ambassadors of the sport. Well, you talk about a great ambassador of the sport. I don't think you have to play second fiddle to anyone, Gary. But uh, you know. <laughs> You've taken on the second venture, like, you know, fishing as a pro angler isn't tough enough as it is. You've, uh, you know, you've tackled this uh, major league fishing, and uh, you've been running these events now for a little while, and you've stepped it up now a notch with this uh, world championship. Tell us a little bit about how the format came about, how you chose the lakes, how the fishermen qualified, and, and what made this such a special event. Well, the, the, what, what really makes this need is, is uh, uh, Major League Fishing was a thought, and it was a thought that Boyd Duckett and I had seven years ago. Actually, I think eight years ago now. Uh, we piddled with it for a couple years uh, uh, trying to build it and create it, and then, uh, you know, we finally pulled the trigger on it and, and you know, got the, got the program moving, and it's just been a, a wild ride. It's phenomenal. Uh, but it's like I tell everybody, you know, we're not done yet. Uh, this is just the beginning. Um, my vision someday is I want bass anglers across the country to be able to play major league fishing. Mm. And I want to actually create a sport out of the hobby, um, uh, you know, bass fishing, you know, something that everybody enjoys to do. And, you know, there's a lot of competitors uh, across the country and, now we have the high schools involved, the colleges involved, and it's really growing leaps and bounds. Uh, the CBS, the network broadcast of the uh, Major League Fishing World's Championship, was also an idea that we've had for several years. And what, we want to, what, we, what we're trying to do is showcase our sport to non-anglers. We want to broaden our base. We want to create a product that, that a non-angler may be interested in, and, you know, take time to watch it. Uh, so that's the reason why we made the decision to do a network uh, airing of our world's championship, which was phenomenal. Uh, the ratings were really, really, really good for us, and uh, we're looking forward to continuing. And I can say, uh, I just got approval, I can say this. So I'm mentioning this on your show, and it's the first public statement we've made but we're also going to be airing in the fourth quarter on the Discovery Channel. So we're adding another All 90 right. million homes to uh, the sport of bass fishing. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. i got to tell you, Gary, it's, it's, it, everybody that fishes out here watches Major League Fishing. We talk about it kind of while you're on the water in the morning before you launch, and the guys are talking back and forth, did you see this, did you see that, to the, to the point that, some of the tournament circuits are starting to do their own little. They want to do their own take on it. Even they they have uh, the team. Some of the team circuit guys are going. Well, why don't we do something like this just for for fun with with the guys who we fish against in the team circuits? Um, 
it made a it made a dent, and I I love everybody loves watching it, and it was fun to, for us. But how fun was it for you to compete in that? Oh, it, it's over the top, and uh, <laughs> I mean it, it, it's almost very addictive because the more I compete, you know, the more I want to. In fact, I'm I'm actually up here in northern Minnesota fishing right now, and on Saturday, I will be checking in for our 2018 uh, Summit Cup that we're filming, uh, we actually start competing uh, a week from tomorrow. Hmm. Uh, and we're actually going to be filming up in Michigan, uh, north north part of Michigan. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, the, the, the format is so simple for everybody to use. They just go to Major League Fishing and uh, go, to, go, to, go to our site, and it'll, it'll guide you through and we have people across this country that are that are playing major league fishing right now. They're using our server uh, with our real time leaderboard, and uh, so everybody has access to that. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, bass clubs, a lot of guys that are fishing teams, and the really cool thing about it is with the real time leaderboard. I mean, that was one of the things when I was creating major league fishing that I tried to address. What other sport do we know of that is a sport? that you compete in the dark. In other words, you have no idea how your competition is doing um, because you take off at a certain time in the morning, and you don't know until the weigh-in that afternoon. But on top of that, your family has no idea what you're doing. And uh, that's what we've, uh, you know, with Major League Fishing, you can go on the app and actually watch the fish-by-fish competition. So my girls... uh, you know, they watch me to compete, you know, hour by hour or minute by minute, wherever I am. That's also pretty cool. Well, Gary, tell us how, if you can, tell us how this world championship, how it was set up, how you chose the guys, the, the locations, and how it finally wound up. Well, what happened is that when we came up with the idea of doing the Major League Fishing uh, General Tires World Championship, we chose our top. 12 points anglers on the cups. And uh, that's how the, those 12 guys that, that competed in that event were our top 12 points holders uh, for the season. And as we continue to do this, uh, you know, it will be another top 12 at the end of the next two events. We'll also qualify for another World Championship. Now, what you had to do, too, is you also had to try and find locations, and it seems like you were pretty successful that the field didn't have a lot of experience with because they, they were going to go fish these lakes almost blind, <laughs> were they not? Well, exactly. Uh, I don't think any anger in that entire group of 12 uh, had any experience on any of those lakes. The one that had the most experience was Kelly Jordan. He was the first guy out of the top 12. He was actually in 13th place. So Kelly worked with our tournament staff in site selection. And, uh, you know, of course, we were dealing with a time strength, so we had to film the first week in March. And what other better place to be than in East Texas the first week in March? And those lakes are all, uh, all very, very special lakes. I've lived in Texas now for quite a few years, and I had never fished those lakes before, uh, let alone even heard about them. So it was a surprise to me. And, you know, those lakes are only four hours from my house. And they're really, really uh, 
uh, something that Texas Parks and Wildlife is real proud of. They're they're great fisheries. And uh, and what kind of uh, uh, cooperation did you get with uh, Texas Park and Wildlife in, in helping you put this program together? Well, uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife is like fisheries across this country. They love our format. Um, I, I've dealt with, you know, Texas, uh, Florida has really, really been behind us with the format. Every state agency loves what we're doing because we're not live well on the fish. We've eliminated the live well, eliminated the weigh-in, and our fish are usually, I think we average under 20 seconds from a caught fish to a weighed fish to recorded fish to release fish. And we're not transporting these fish, you know, from one area to another area. So Fish and Game loves it. But the other thing that we also do is we provide them with fish catching data that is pretty precise because the guys are eliminated, they're eliminated or they're um, limited to a zone or an area or a section. So Fish and Gang gets all that data from us, uh, you know, when we finish competing, and they really appreciate that also. Now, how was the world champion determined? What was the process of elimination that uh, the fishermen went through? Well, what we did is we actually changed our format a little bit uh, for the world's championship because we had 12 anglers, and we had to shoot six days uh, so that we could do the full series. So what we ended up doing on the world's championship, unlike major league fishing, uh, in the cup events, what we actually ended up doing was this. We split the, gr- the guys into two groups of six. We had group A, group B, and each group got to compete for two days. So we competed on a lake, group A did, and then we had a day off, and then group B competed that day, then group A competed on the third day, group B came back and competed on the fourth day. And what we did with those groups, at the end, we took the top three out of each group, and they went to a sudden death round for one day, and then we eliminated the bottom two, and the top four were the uh, finals in the uh, General Tire uh, World Championship. And was the sudden death on a different lake? Yes, yeah, that, that's one thing. Uh, yeah, it was on a... We actually threw them a curve. We went to Lake Jackson, and uh, it was a great fishery, but it was completely different than the other lakes that the anglers had been on. So that was a real cool uh, twist. A uh, lot of boat docks, water was real clear, and it was just full of fish. So uh, we gave them a little bit of a twist there. But Major League Fishing, and, you know, you know I, I'm part of it, but yet Boyd and I are removed from site selection because we're anglers. Um, so we're not privy to the information. I have no idea the sites that they select uh-huh. or the lakes that they look at. But one thing that we've always done is that no one angler in Major League Fishing Cups competes on the same body of water twice. So when you compete on one day and you qualify for the next round, you can forget about that lake. You will not be back to that lake. I love it. Every day, every day is a fresh day. Oh man! I just think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I I, I watch it and uh, go, you know, how cool would it be to compete with a, the group of guys like that and and go out to strange water? Everybody's got to hit the water at the same time and go see, see where you can catch them and what you can do. It, it that's got to yeah. be just the best. 
with no practice. And basically, if you don't make the cut, you go home. You know, your your week of competition is over with. But one of the key ingredients in creating Major League Fishing, I created Major League Fishing with a viewer in mind. And unlike other shows, what I tried to do is create a, a format that actually the viewer could feel like he was sitting in the boat of the Kevin Van Dam and watch him break down a lake in a given amount of time. And, it, and for those of us that watch and pay attention to Major League Fishing, we see that take place during the course, yep. you know, from the morning to the afternoon. We have a lot of rods, and, you know, we try a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But you can actually, the viewer can actually watch the angler start to get dialed in, start to get dialed in. And that's one of the most phenomenal things about the real-time leaderboard, no information, no practice, it's heads-up competition, you go out, put it together, and, you know, try to advance. Uh, hey, Gary, we got to take a break right now. Can we get you to stay over for a little bit longer to tell us about uh, how the World Championship went? Got a few more questions to ask you? Hey, I'd be more than, more than happy to. Thank you. Hey, you're listening to Ron Real Radio on AM 540 or at com. Stay tuned. Stand windy and hop along. We'll be back after these commercial messages. Don't you just love California in the summer? Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket and make sure the people you love wear one too. Love California, boat California, save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. 
If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Our special guest this hour is Gary Klein from Major League Fishing. But, Wendy, you got to jump off the line right now. But uh, thanks for being with us, and you're going to be fishing next week. I will be. I'll be on the legend next week with Chuck, and hopefully we get into some nice bluefin or some yellowfin. Well, after That's we're finished, good girl. After <laughs> we're finished with Gary over here, we have an interview with um, uh, Chuck, and he's going to tell us exactly what you're going to be in for. And then we have a Rod and Reel Radio sponsored trip with Chuck on December the fourth. So, Wendy, go out and get him, and we'll be talking with you in a couple of weeks. All righty, you guys have a good week, and uh, I'll be listening. All right, All right thank good. you, Wendy. Don't get him, girl. Hey, right. uh, and we, we do want to get back with our special guest for this hour, uh, Mr. Gary Klein. And, and Gary, uh, the, you're, you're in the finals now of the World Championship. These fishermen are used to fishing compounds that are so large that it takes you sometimes days to get across them. And now, all of a sudden, as I understand it, you throw them onto a postage-sized lake. You want to tell us about how how came about you uh, getting everyone uh, fishing on that final day? Well, you know, it, it really, it always varies. And that's one of the really cool things that I was mentioning earlier about uh, all the guys at Major League Fishing that put our events together. They're always throwing a twist in there on us. So we never know, you know, sometimes we predict which lake we're going to fish and we end up never fishing it. We're always on, you know, other lakes or smaller bodies of water. Or sometimes we've been to some rather large lakes, but we've been fishing in zones. Uh, but one of the things about being in a confined area is that it also forces the anglers to come up with multiple techniques to catch the fish, which is also better for the viewer. You know, a lot of times in a regular event where I have, you know, eight hours or nine hours to compete, I have multiple days to practice, a lot of times I'm looking for a pattern or I'm looking for a technique and I can run with it, and I can basically run water, run in a pattern. Well, Major League Fishing, yeah, you can establish a pattern, but a lot of times you'll run out of water. So yeah. what it does is it forces you to go back through those areas and use a different technique to catch those same fish. Uh, Gary, how do, you, how, do you, how do the guys get set up for the, the fishing? Do you tell them you, they can take X amount of uh, pounds of tackle and, and whatever, and then when they the get them on an airplane, obviously you're going to go north to Minnesota or they, they know they're going to <laughs> Texas or wherever. But do you tell them ahead of time you can take X amount of tackle and, and give it to a guy in a boat and, and you don't see it anymore until you get there? Yeah, yeah. No, we don't eliminate any tackle. You know, we don't eliminate numbers of rods and reels that they can bring or, you know, tackle weight that they can bring or tackle boxes that they can bring. One thing that we have incorporated into our format is when we're, when we're competing Major League Fishing, all of the anglers are committed to be there for six days. Whether you compete on the first day and get eliminated, so you're out of the competition, but that is actually a, a very, very busy week for Major League Fishing because we're shooting 
all of our green screens, we're shooting commercials, and plus at Major League Fishing, we fly all of our sponsors in, and we take them fishing for a couple of days. So when I have a group of anglers that are out on the water competing, the other two groups of anglers are taking care of our sponsors on our on uh, fishing trips. So the guys are basically very busy during the course of the week. Um, but one thing that we have done is the anglers that are competing the next day will have no obligations that evening. In other words, they don't have to go to a sponsor dinner or anything. They can go work on their tackle. That's their time to prepare for their next day of competition. And it's amazing. If you, if you come out into the parking lots and watch these guys, I mean, they spend hours, me included, you know, spooling line and getting the rods ready and getting all your tackle organized. Because that's one thing that I've learned about Major League Fishing. A lot of times when we're just fun fishing or maybe we're fishing a, a regular event, you know, a lot of times during the course of a day you have a thought. In other words, man, you know, the wind's blowing. I should maybe tie on a spinnerbait and go run, you know, uh, windblown banks. But yet you delay that decision. You delay, delay that decision because you're in the back of a pocket fishing a jig or something. And then you finally go and do that. But one thing that I've learned about Major League Fishing, if you have a thought, you should act on it. Because if not, these guys are so good, you're going to leave you behind. And that's one thing about the format is that you don't want to get behind. You know, when nobody's catching any fish, that's the time for you to excel. That's the time for you to gain on anybody that may be ahead of you. And as you've watched in the format, usually the first period we'll have one or two anglers that get something going, you know, first thing in the morning, and they just rock. And, you know, the viewers sitting there thinking, man, there's no way these guys are going to get knocked out. You know, nobody's going to catch them. And normally by the end of the uh, second period, uh, their gap is gone, and there's two or three other anglers that are starting to really gain some distance on them. And more often than not, the guys that are leading it in the first period normally don't even, don't even advance. Um, so that just goes to show that you have to fish with an open mind you have to be prepared to make changes. Uh, you know, you have to listen to what's going on. And no one event that we've ever had has been one with one bait. It's always a multiple use of, of lures, spinnerbait, jerkbait, you know, a little bit of topwater or a drop shot or something like that. The guys, anglers have to mix it up uh, as the day unfolds. And it's kind of fun to hear the guys talking as the, the guys that aren't catching fish as you watch them go boat to boat and hear some of these catch of fish. And you know the anglers, if you're competing against the guys, you usually know the strength of the guys that you compete against and what they, what their techniques are that they like to use and, and, and where they go with it. So you hear guys, uh, uh, it's fun to listen to where they're going. I, you know, he's probably fishing this and he's probably doing this and I should probably change, but it's great no. to hear. But a lot of times, though, this group of anglers anymore are so versatile that it's really getting harder and harder to predict. You know, here's a real-time leaderboard. You go to a body water like we're going to film in upstate Michigan. One of the things that you want to try to learn real quick, is it a largemouth bite or is it a smallmouth bite? And, you know, Kevin Van Dam catches a four-pounder. Well, then you're thinking, okay, you know, he caught a four-pound smallmouth on a jerkbait. But yet what we didn't know is that he caught a four-pounder off of a boat dock on a jig. So 
you know, sometimes you can get yourself into trouble, and a lot of times when you predict, you're wrong. But, yeah, it, it's well, that's the Well, that was the fun part. You hear, you know, they're all thinking, well, you know, they know how Kevin fishes. Okay, he's probably fishing a jerkbait, and he's fishing the jig. Uh, or, or, you know, Aaron's probably fishing the, the drop shot, and he was fishing a jerkbait, whatever it was. But it's fun to hear the guys as they're thinking, oh. as they're going through thinking, because that's just part of tournament fishing. I don't care who you are. If you hear, the, oh, hear yeah. that somebody's got them. Yeah. The well, the one that really got me was, was last year. You know, Todd Faircloth was catching, 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 catching them. And uh, Mark Rose and all the guys were predicting, uh, you know, he's fishing a jig in the grass. Yep. He was fishing a shaky head on a spinning rod. Spinning rod. <laughs> off a boat dock. <laughs> and, hey, Gary. You know, I, that was just. Oh, go on. Could you, were so, can you were uh, so tell us. that he was fishing in the grass. Gary, can you tell us eventually who was fishing for the world championship and how well they did? Yeah, Bobby Lane won the event. Yep. All right. Uh, the, the, the final show was last Saturday. Mark Davis came in second. Uh, Kevin Van Dam ended up fourth. And uh, third place was is not on top of my head right now. Okay. Um, but, yeah, Bobby Lane... Bobby Lane was real consistent. Um, Mark Davis basically lost the championship in the first period. No. I don't think, Wasn't I don't Jeff think Creek? Mark Davis. Yeah, I don't think he weighed a fish, or maybe he caught one right at the end of the first period. But Mark Davis really put together the deal and really started gaining. But Bobby had a pretty good lead on him after the first period. And Bobby continued to catch fish, and Mark kept trying to catch him and catch him. And I think just fell a pound or two short of catching him right there at the end. It was basically one bite. Wow. And, and they Cree, were fi- Jeff Cree was the other guy that was fishing against them. Yeah, Jeff, I'm sorry, Squirrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah I forgot. Yeah, Squirrel. And, and, Gary, you had him fishing on a compound that was like, did, you, did I read it right, 734 acre feet? Oh, my God, but it was 734 of the prettiest acres of bass fishing water. <laughs> that, was, that was actually um, uh, a little lake called Kurth, and it was the uh, water supply lake for Lufkin, Texas. <laughs> and it is a Texas Parks and Wildlife special fishery lake. Uh, you have to get a permit to fish the lake, and uh, they keep the gate locked. It's full of hydrilla, and it's full of them big uh, Florida sure. bass. It, it was actually a phenomenal lake. Wow. Well, I can't wait to get my uh, wife is in Texas right now. My daughter and son-in-law are building a house on Canyon Lake, and we're building a guest house. So I'm going to start awesome. fishing Texas Lake pretty quick. <laughs> hey, we, we, Texas is, I mean, from east to west in Texas, we got so many great lakes, it's unreal. Right. You do. Well, Gary... We appreciate you taking the time to tell us about uh, Major League Fishing. And, and just real quickly, the people that sponsor Major League Fishing to keep it going. The, oh, me and the companies. Oh, we've we got, uh, I don't know, 30 corporate uh, sponsors. And if I tried to name one, I won't get them all. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, General, General Tires was our uh, World's Championship sponsor. Um, but, I mean, we have so many great companies, it's unreal. We're going to um, just have to tell people then to watch the show and watch the credits afterwards, I guess. 
Yeah, exactly. And also remember that, uh, you know, we're going to introduce Major League Fishing to 90 million new households on the fourth quarter on the Discovery Channel. Man, that's going to be exciting. Gary, hey. Great th- job, Gary. That's all i got to say. It's a yeah. ton of fun to watch. Gary, thanks well, a lot for you. thanks a lot for uh, keeping us updated, and please let us check in from time to time to see how you're evolving. Because, you know, not only is it an exciting format for the viewer, but in talking with the fishermen, this is the most exciting format for them. They love it. Well, guys, I really appreciate having the opportunity to talk about something that's so dear to my heart: Major League Fishing. We got such a great group, uh, great uh, partners with the Outdoor Channel. Everybody's on the same page. There's a lot going on. And like I said, I just got approval 15 minutes before the show that I was approved to publicly announce that we're going to be on the Discovery Channel. But we have a lot of other really cool stuff that I'm not privy to say right now, but just stay tuned. Major League Fishing is growing, and uh, uh, it'll be available for a lot of anglers to compete in. So, All right. Um, anyhow, I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Gary. Very cool. Thanks for being with us, sir, and congratulations and much success. We'll keep uh, getting a hold of you for you to keep us updated on exactly what's happened. Appreciate you being with us tonight. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Gary. Hey, Stan, we're going to have to break off early. I've got an interview that I did with Chuck Taft just before he went out a couple of days ago. He's going to give us a saltwater report, but it's a recorded segment, so... Right now, Wendy's jumped off, and I'm going to say we're going to say goodnight to you also, and uh, you just have yourself a great week, and we'll be talking to you again in a couple of weeks. We will catch you down the road. Good night, everybody. Hey, hey, stay tuned. There's still more Rod and Reel Radio to come after these messages. Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief. It's here, and it's time to go on the Chief. For those who are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips, ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Don't you just love California in the summer? Just remember, if you love California and you love the boat, please wear your life jacket and make sure the people you love wear one too. Love California, Boat California, Save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com. Hey, bass fishermen. 
Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the Bass Boat Program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for Bass Boat Insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Hey, I do want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Hey, well, I know we had a lot about freshwater fishing, uh, but... Having Aaron Martins on was great, and Gary Klein on Major League uh, Fishing just uh, telling us about uh, the culmination of the World Championship. But we don't want to ignore the saltwater bite that's happening off our Southern California coast right now. It is epic. But what's happening is now all the boats are running. On Sunday night, it's hard to get any of the skippers on because of the fact they're still squeezing every bit of daylight they can to show their... uh, uh, customers the best fishing they can. So a couple of days ago, I got aboard the wheelhouse uh, with uh, Chuck Taft on the Legend. We talked about a trip he was about ready to go on. Talked a little bit about how the bite was, what he anticipated. I've got that recording from you right now. We're going to play that, and I'll be back after this Chuck Taft interview. So Jorge, if you will play the interview, let her rip. Okay, welcome back to Ron Real Radio. And as we've been reporting, the bite, everything from the three-quarter day boat to the multi-day boats, uh, it's hot. And we've got with us Chuck Taft from Sea Adventure Sports Fishing with us just to clue us in on exactly what's happening. Chuck, thanks a lot for being with us. Hey, pleasure to be here. Guys, fishing is as good as you could ever ask for. Great yellowtail fishing, great dorado fishing. There's a few of them giant bluefin to catch, and there is a bunch of yellowfin moving up the line. There's a bite that took off today down at 160 miles, and guys had anywhere from 60 to 100 fish down there. It's just great, great signs right now what's to come. Yeah, know, we caught up with uh, Captain Taff in the wheelhouse of the legend right now, and he's about ready to go out here in an hour or so. It just seemed like 10 days ago, there was nothing happening. All of a sudden, it just turned on. What uh, what was the change, Chuck? Well, as you recall, a couple of weeks ago, I told you all the bait and the water temperature was right. We just needed the current to change a little bit for stuff to slide in, and it has slid in. I mean, we have had some yellowtail fish and dorado fish, and it's just been epic. I mean, some of the fish are four- to six-pound fish, but... Uh, trip before last, we had 150 fish over 20 to 35 pounds on the yellowtail. So there's a really good grade of yellowtail mixed in with it. And these four to eight pound yellowtail that guys are catching, you can't find a better eating fish. 
I mean, as far as being able to take something home and being tender and good, it's phenomenal. And the Dorado or Mahi Mahi, whatever you want to call them, everybody knows how great eating that is. So, I mean, this is a time where people are really getting a bang for their buck and really uh, taking something home. Uh, now, to go on out in any of the boats like the Legend or the Jig Strike, uh, are you recommending that people bring their Mexican licenses or well, what's happening? Everything we're fishing in Mexico right now. So if you don't have one, you can get your Mexican uh, one-day license on the boat. You know, or if we're fishing a two-day trip, you get your license on the boat and stuff. So right now, as long as we're staying 12 miles offshore... We do not have to have passports. And right now, the fish are all over 12 miles offshore. So it's been very, very good as far as um, what we've been catching and what we're seeing. It's just unbelievable the amount of bait and fish that are around up and down right now. What's the report that's coming in from a little further south down the line? Is there anything coming on up or any schools of anything been uh, seen uh, down south? Well, two weeks ago, there was fish down by Geronimo, and then the fish moved up. Now the fish are down below San Martin Island that I was just telling you about, the elephant that just walked up. So, And that, it should just keep on coming. Our last trip, we had 30 uh, yellowfin all on porpoise that have moved up here in one-day range. So, I mean, uh, what we've been doing on these trips, on our, all I'm fishing is basically multiple-day trips is catching limits of yellowtail and dorado, and then we go look for uh, the bluefin and yellowfin to top off the trip. And then the second day, we try to catch more dorado and more tuna and finish off with the yellows. I mean, it's just been fun, fun fishing. Did the dorado showing up surprise you? Because it seemed like, yeah, we had the yellows, and then they kind of died off a little bit, and then all of a sudden it seemed like we had dorados here, and even the reports of bull dorado uh, uh, on some of the kelps. Well, we had one Dorado that weighed 32 pounds. Oh, that is sweet for you. That, that's a nice Dorado. Um, quite a few 18 to 25-pound Dorado. Now there's some smaller ones, but you never know what Dorado. I mean, I don't care what size they are. People want them. People love them. They're an exotic fish to catch. Now, I've been seeing some bluefin uh, in the uh, the mix, too. Are we going to be seeing a decline in the catch rate of bluefin because they're moving in another direction, or they mixed in with the yellowfin right now? Well, there's actually a little bit of bluefin that moved into the Coronado Islands the last two days. The three-quarter-day boats have caught some bluefin. There was a few small bluefin caught on Cortez, and uh, the big bluefin are still out by Clemente, outside there by Desperation and stuff where the guys are catching the big 150- to 200-pound fish, so... There's actually been a little bit of fish moved in, and things are looking better and better. Okay, now on the Legend, are you running overnights, day and a half? So what's the schedule for the Legend The right Legend's now? got day and a half and two-day trips that we're running right now. All right, and how do you, uh, uh, what do you tell the guys to gear up with when they're coming to f- uh, board to fish with you? Well, these types of trips that we're doing right now, I tell everybody to bring their 20, 30, and 50. Because if we get done and we get a chance to go try to catch a bigger bluefin, you need at least 50 or 80 pounds for them big fish. That's all there is to it. Them big fish take a two-speed, and they take somebody that's really got to pull hard. Okay, and how about uh, are you trolling uh, fish, or are you uh, stopping on meter marks, or both? Well, the fish that we're fishing now have been on kelps, been on jig strikes, and sonar marks. The big bluefin, when we fish it, we fly our kite and stuff, and then we stop on it and catch a few fish on the flat ball. So it's been a really good assortment. Things have been very, very nice. And do you think there's enough fish? Uh, do you think uh, the fish we're seeing now 
you think it's a, a, an aberration, or do you think we have fish here for a little while to go out and get? I would say we have fish for a while to get, but, you know, you can't. You, when the fishing's good, you need to go. I mean, we had that really good bluefin bite that started off early, and everybody kept holding off, holding off, but we'll wait and go later. Well, a lot of people missed out on a really good bluefin bite, and it got really, really tough here for a couple of weeks. So, you know, nobody can tell the fish when they want to bite. Nobody can tell them when to get here. So when the fish are here, you got to make hay when the hay's there to make. How about the conditions for the next couple of weeks? We've got a tropical storm uh, uh, pushing up uh, the coastline, maybe a little swell. Are, are, do the tropical storms, do they push the fish up, or do the fish follow the food, or is it a little bit of both? A little bit of both. That tropical storm pushes more warm water up and stuff like that, so that helps offset everything. So the more hurricanes that we can get down below, the better off I like it. Now, uh, when are you uh, scheduling the next Wahoo trip for uh, Captain Chuck? <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully here in September, I hope we be catching Wahoo. It wouldn't surprise me if one showed up tomorrow. It, you know, you had that amazing trip here. It wasn't that long ago. It was about... September, too, that you uh, went out, and that day, what, you had 29 Wahoo at the uh, island? Oh, your short change, man. We had Uh-oh. 31, 31. <laughs> okay, then how many got away? <laughs> uh, a fair share. <laughs> well, you know, that's not a bad deal, 31 Wahoo in one day, especially fishing on our local islands. Uh, well, it's never, ever been done, and I don't know if it'll ever be duplicated. All right. right. So the schedule now for the legend uh, uh uh, do they check H&M Landing? Uh, they go they to go H&M Landing's it? website. They can go to Legend Sport Fishing and pull it up. Or go to Sea Adventure Sport Fishing and pull up the Legend. Now, what's happening with the Jig Strike right now? Because I it's, noticed we're right next to the Jig Strike. It, They're getting loaded, ready to go. What are you doing with them? It's running day-and-a-half charters, one-day charters, whatever uh, somebody wants to do right now. All right. And uh, if by any chance uh, it's not charted out and uh, the... Uh, the schedule here starts getting filled up. Will they be doing day and a half and two yes, and a half day be. open? They sure will. All right. Tell us a little bit about the jig strike because a lot of people aren't familiar with it other than it had one heck of a, a season uh, lobster fishing and everything this year. Tell us about the jig strike. The jig strike is a wonderful small boat. It's a 56-foot boat. It's got 16 big double bunks in it, and it is as comfortable a boat as you ever want to fish on with 16 people. I mean, it's a great boat. It has a six-ton uh, hole on it, RSW hole. It holds 150 scoops of bait. It is set up really, really nice. Nice showers, nice heads in the boat. So it's a great boat for 12 to 16 people. So if uh, one of the boats here, you might be scheduled to go on it and you get moved over to the jig strike, the, you, there's no loss there. In fact, no, uh, I kind of think there's an improvement. There's a big improvement. Yeah. So with the amount of few people and stuff, it's just wonderful. And and tell us about the legend. Uh, uh, we haven't talked to you much about the legend. Uh, first of all, what amenities or equipment uh, did you add in the off season to the legend, or were you just tweaking it to make sure that everything was running right? We just pretty well tweaked everything, other than putting a new sonar on the boat. We put a new sonar on that was upgraded and more modern. So, other than a new sonar, twenty five thousand dollars sonar. Not a whole lot. You know, everything is awfully nice on this boat with the foreheads and showers, giant galleys, satellite TV, 255-inch flat-screen TVs. It's pretty comfortable. You know, with the way this bite's going, I'm going to have to check with you because I think we had uh, uh, talked about possibly going out on September 4th. So I'm going to have to see if we're 
we're still going out with you or that not. That trip's still things, set up. Things are filling up quick. That tri- trip is still set up for you guys. All right. Well, Chuck, uh, again, coming out on the legend, uh, you're going out open party. How many people do you normally take out on the legend? And uh, tell us a little bit about the boat here. Well, normally we limit the boat on our uh, two days and two and a half days to 30 people. And it has 50 bunks on the boat. The boat's not crowded. The boat seats 36 people in the galley. So, you know, it's very, very comfortable. It's it's one of the biggest, nicest platforms you'll ever fish on in your life. And on a two-and-a-half-day trip, because that's really the type of trip I like, you get two full days of fishing right now. And, probably and two with full the- days worth of limits. See, there's the yeah. advantage on a two-day trip over a day-and-a-half trip or a one-day trip because you get to take double limits of fish home where... On a day-and-a-half trip, you're only getting one day's worth of fish. And I'll tell you what, for the extra 75 bucks, when you pay that much money, you should be on a two-day trip so you can have twice as much Dorado, twice as much yellowtail, and twice as much tuna. Well, not only that, heck, there are still guys that go out on a, a two-and-a-half-day trip, and you got guys that are still fishing in the middle of the night. They can't get enough. They want to take oh, advantage yeah. of every hour. The last trip we spent, I uh, caught two Dorado and four nice Makos. Oh, oh man! It is so much fun. The Legend is such a, a great, a great fishing platform. You made it even better with uh, all the electronics and the amenities and everything else like that. I can't wait to get on out here. But the people that are listening to this broadcast. They don't have to wait. They should call up this week and book going out with a Legend because uh, it doesn't get any better than it is right now. Right now is when you want to be on the water. Nice right. weather, great fishing. So come on down, go fishing. The only thing is it's hard on you guys when you're going out six days in a row and everything like that. I mean, I saw you walking on uh, down the dock here. It looked like you were road hard and put away wet, but it's kind of the, the type a, of the year you love. That's the name of the game. That's what we live for. All right. Captain Chuck Taft from Sea Adventure Sports Fishing with the Jig Strike and the Legend. Thanks for taking time with us. And if we can, I hope we get a report uh, from you again on just how well you did out there. I will give you a call when we get in. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Captain Chuck Taft, and boy, that was a great trip, Chuck. Uh, Taft was on that two-day trip. They brought home 72 Dorado, 44 yellow fin tuna, 136 yellowtail, so they limited out really well. So give H&M Landing a call and get yourself on the Jig Strike or get yourself on the Legend or one of the other fine boats out of there. Hey, that's it for tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be having a recorded show next uh, Sunday night because uh, all the gang here, we're going to be involved in the 19th annual El Cajon Ford San Diego Team Open. The team meeting will start off at El Cajon Ford on the 13th. We'll be fishing Lake San Vicente, Lake El Capitan Monday and Tuesday, August 14th and 15th, having the award ceremony on the 15th. You can still get your entries in for this Team Open. There's no... uh, uh, association fee or anything like that. It's a great event to fish, even if you're not fishing tournaments. So that's the El Cone Ford San Diego Team Open. It kicks off August the 13th at El Cone Ford. You can get a hold of us at 619-466-8355 or you can go to SD Tournaments on Facebook. There's an entry form there. You can download that. Or go to any one of the fine tackle stores here in Southern California. So everyone, on behalf of Stan and Wendy and myself, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill, 
We want to thank Jorge for helping us set up the show tonight. Ben Harvey for doing a lot of the behind scenes here in San Diego. Hey, guys, go out and get them. The fishing isn't getting any better. Go out and get them, guys. We're getting away. Good night, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks.